Wow. The music was just wonderful this morning. You know, in heaven, the singing won't stop, and there will be no preaching. And for that, <clears throat> I'm grateful. I'm looking forward to that. I would invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word. <clears throat> and if you have your Bible this morning, feel free to pull it out and look around and note those who don't have theirs. That's a joke. Oh, my gosh. No. A lot of us use our phones now. Some folks just like to come and listen. I love that. Just coming to listen. We're not going to be legalistic about carrying a Bible. Although it is a blessing to be able to carry God's Word. But Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As we continue in our study looking at the journey of the wise men, who they are, what they're about in this series called Twinkle Twinkle. But today we're going to talk about the hidden star, the hidden star. And here's our main statement. Following God can be a confusing task. Following God can be a confusing task. The year was 2009, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, that I read a book by a pastor on the East Coast by the name of Mark Batterson, and the book is called The Wild Goose Chase. And it comes, the premise of the idea is that there is in some Irish tradition way back when that the Holy Spirit and following him, that there was a metaphor used for following the Holy Spirit called chasing the wild goose. And while it sounds disrespectful at first, and in the book he talks about that, though it sounds disrespectful in the moment, any of us who have been a Christian for at least a day knows that sometimes following God is like chasing a wild goose. You don't know where you're going. Sometimes you don't even know why you're going. You just know you're going. And it takes you to all kinds of places and all kinds of directions. And sometimes even after you get there, you're not sure you're supposed to be there. So it is with following the Holy Spirit. It can be confusing. Now it's interesting when we think about what our Bible stories say. They often don't say or don't tell the story that we think they do. But we're going to look at chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 today. And then we're going to talk about something that the story doesn't say, but we often think that it does. So in Matthew, I should probably turn to it, Matthew chapter number 2, verses 1 through 10. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? But he saw, we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Following God can be a confusing task. Principle number one, let's look at this together. The Bible stories often do not actually say what we understand them to say. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that we know from the story that the wise men did not come to the manger and that likely it wasn't until Jesus was one or two years of age when the wise men showed up to celebrate his birth. I cannot tell you the number of people who've told me that now the nativity set in their home is biblically accurate. I had a lady tell me this morning, this morning my wise men are in the hall. But also, as we mentioned in previous weeks, that I remember going to the Holy Land and learning about the nativity, that there's no stable mentioned in Luke chapter 2. There's also no donkey mentioned. There's no cattle to even low. They're not mentioned either. Um, And the only sheep that are mentioned are... Actually, they're not mentioned either, only shepherds. But nonetheless, we have what we have in the story. Now, what we find here is when we look at the story, the wise men see the star when it rises in the east. Look at verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him or saw his star in the east the wise men had only gotten a glimpse of the star now what does this mean well this means the wise men did not follow the star to israel or jerusalem in fact let's look at a couple pictures on the screen of some wise men here's some popular art here and renditions These are wise men following the star. We see these kind of pictures at Christmas time. But the text does not say they followed the star from the east. Only that they saw the star in the east. Just got a glimpse and said, so it is, this may be the king of the Jews was born. So they go and meet with Herod the king. And I don't know if you caught it. But it is Herod the king, with the help of the chief priests and the scribes, who tell the wise men where to find the baby. Now, as you continue on in reading 
the story, if you look down in verse number 9, it says, And listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them. So there it is. They did indeed follow the star to the stable. Well, not the stable. The house. See, I'm messing, messing with my mind here. But they did follow the star, but it was not from the east. Why is this important? Well, it's important because the Bible stories often do not actually say what we understand them to say. We think, oh, only to live as they lived and to just know God as they knew God. I want to submit to you that they were just as confused with the will of God as you and I are at times. Principle number two. Not only do the Bible stories often do not actually say what we understand them to say, but principle number two is this, is we see God and his work in the world through a glass darkly. So did they. Of course, through a glass darkly is referencing 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, the love chapter, where in this poetic, beautiful description of love, Paul the apostle says, now we know in parts, specifically 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly or through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I have been fully known. When we look at these stories in the Bible, it's wrong to assume that they just knew what to do. Even Paul the Apostle, who's writing the scripture, Holy Writ, is saying, you know what? We just see through a glass darkly. We see through a mirror and look into a mirror dimly. We don't get the full picture. These wise men in the east, it wasn't that they just saw the star and then the star carried them all the way to Jesus. No, they got a glimpse of it and then the star disappeared. So it is with our life. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Tons of confirmation and direction and then radio silence. God, I thought you sent me. God, I thought you spoke to me. God, I thought you were leading. Where are you? It's what happened to the wise men. It's wrong for us to just think that everybody in the Bible knew everything they needed to know at all times. They didn't, and we certainly don't. It's interesting this, even famous characters throughout the Bible, looking at Abraham and Moses. Abraham was in his 70s, 75 specifically. But Abraham was in his 70s before God spoke to him. And Moses was 80. I want you to think about that. Here are two of the most famous characters in the Bible. And they lived 75 and 80 years before God even speaks to them. That paints a different picture. We often think, again, that everybody in the Bible knew everything they needed to know at all times. No, Abraham said, I lived 75 years before God even spoke to me. Moses, I lived 80 years before God spoke to me. Y'all, I love being a pastor. More importantly, not just a pastor, I love being your pastor. 
And one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to visit you in your home or around a lunch table or, for instance, if you're homebound, uh, to go and see you. And this week I was catching up, wanted to wish Merry Christmas to some of our folks that are not able to get out. And I ran into this fellow. He's going to be on the screen here. Now, you all may or may not know this guy. Uh, who, somebody tell me who this is. Gerald Dora. Now, if you, let me tell you about Gerald Dora. Gerald is the eldest living member of First Baptist Church of Tupelo. And uh, I went by Avonlea to see him and uh, another dear lady, uh, Miss Elna Clark, who went by to see them this week. And when I saw Darryl, Gerald, or he goes by Neil, he saw me and he was in the activities room. He was in there, two or three other men, and then the rest of the room was filled with ladies. And <clears throat> they were just eating and then having a little activity, and we were talking. And he saw me and he said, hey there, son, come on in here. And I said, all right, I came on in there, so good to see you, Mr. Gerald, and stuff like that. And I just said, Mr. Gerald, I, I just want to tell you Merry Christmas. And I'm just so pleased to be able to tell you that. And I want you to know that I ran into another one of our dear senior adults at First Baptist Church of Tupelo. Her name is Miss Mary Hill. It was about two weeks ago, and I had a brief visit with Miss Mary and her son, Mari. And Miss Mary told me that she was the eldest living member of First Baptist Church of Tupelo. And he said she did. And I said, yes. And I said, well, Miss Mary, how old are you? She said, I'm 96 years old. And I said, well, Miss Mary, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I said, but Gerald Dora is a little older than that. She said, oh, he's still living. She said... <laughs> and she said, you know, he's my family. And I said, she said, we're related. I said, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm telling Mr. Gerald this. And he said, is that what she said, did she? I said, yes. He said, yeah. He said, you're looking at 97 years old. I said, Mr. Gerald, I mean... I have it on the church record. You just last month turned 99. His face dropped in total expression. He looked at me. He looked around at the table, looked at the ladies on the right and his men on the left, looked back and forth, and he said, well, I guess I've done fooled around and become an old man. <laughs> he said, y'all hear that? I'm 99 years old. I eventually had to leave the activities room, but I heard him down the hall. He said it at least a dozen more times. I am 99 years old. You know what? You may not be privileged to live to 99. I don't think I will see 99. But Moses was 80 years old before God ever spoke to him. Abraham was 75. Don't you think there were times of confusion in their lives? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Listen to Exodus 7, 7. Now Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Not only that, not only were they older gentlemen when God spoke to them, but listen to this. 
Abraham didn't even know God's name. You want to talk about confusing. Not only was he an older man when God first spoke to him, he never even knew God's name. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 3, you may want to jot this in the margin of your notes. It says, God speaking to Moses, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, or Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. <coughs> Again, we think that these folks in the Bible, they just knew everything they needed to know exactly when they needed to know it. And oh, it was just glorious to be in the presence of God. Friends, their lives were just as confusing as mine and yours. Just like the wise men didn't follow that star all the way from Persia. No, they got a glimpse. And then later they got another glimpse. You see, in the Gospels, not only in the Old Testament, with people like Abraham and Moses, but in the Gospels and in the Acts, the disciples are more confused often than not. Due to time, I'm not going to expound on this, but you know the stories. How often do you see the people of God confused? Very often. In fact, most biblical characters spent much of their lives confused about the will and the workings of God. We are in good company. We are in good company. Principle number three. Just like the biblical characters, God shows us exactly what we need precisely when we need to know it. I love this. The wise men get the glimpse of that glory in the east. It's just a glimpse. And then they go to Jerusalem and meet with the wicked king. And then after leaving his presence, I'll, this is so beautiful in the scripture. Look in verse number nine. After listening to the, sing, the king, they went on their way and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before him. For them. Another translation says, and behold, there it was. Exactly what they needed to know, exactly when they needed to know it. Friends, for those of us who are following God, for those of us who belong to Jesus, friends, we must be willing to wait on God. We must be willing to wait on God. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 27 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Just like biblical characters, God shows us exactly what we need precisely when we need to know it. So that means first and foremost, we need to wait. Secondly, in the meantime, embrace God's promises. The reason they left their home in the east it was because we looked at it a few weeks ago. A promise had been made. And that's all they had. Through a, through a mirror dimly, right? Through a glass darkly. I think this is something God is doing. Let's go. Embrace God's promises. Another thing when you're pursuing God's will, not only to wait on God, to embrace his promises. Friends, act on what you know. Act on what you know. The wise men did not know exactly where Jesus was. They didn't know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem. 
But they knew he was born king of the Jews, so they went there. Friends, when it comes to following God's will for your life and my life, we often worry about getting everything precisely right. Friends, act on what you know. You can trust God with what you don't know. Which leads me to the next thing is don't fret about what you don't know. Don't fret about what you don't know. There was a great deal that the wise men did not know about God's will for their lives. Yet they left home and followed what they did know. Which leads me to the final thing, which is this. That trust where God guides you. He will be there to provide for you. Let me say it again. Trust where God guides you. He will be there to provide for you. Now his provision may come in strange ways. It's still at least somewhat ironic to me that King Herod is the one who told the wise men where to go. That God even used one of his enemies to get his people where he wanted them to go. Friends, following God is a confusing task. When you think about the will of God in your life, if you think, Pastor Matt, I'm just confused. It seems like everybody's life, it's so crystal clear for them, but I throw up my hands, I don't know. Friends, there is no surprise to me that our artwork shows wise men following the star all the way from the east because that's what we want following God to look like. But that's not what following God looks like. Sometimes the star is hidden. And friend, if the star is hidden for you right now, you're waiting on God, you don't know exactly what to do, friends, you can trust. You're going to know exactly what you need to know precisely when you need to know it. And when God shows you your next step, he will strengthen you to take it, and he'll provide for you when you get there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. Lord, you tell us in some of the last words in this very gospel that you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Friends, we have such a strange view of God we have in our minds what it ought to be like. Lord, we've learned from your word today that they were confused and it's okay for us to be confused. But let us not lose the fact that they got exactly where you wanted them to go. Exactly when you wanted them to be there. Lord, we love you. I pray you would use this to encourage the hearts of my friends here today. In Jesus' name, amen.